Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Transfer Window, the podcast that brings you the news before it becomes news. We'll also give you insight and analysis into everything that's going on in football that you're talking about. I'm Ian McGarry, and with me, as always, is transfer expert Duncan Castles, uh, a man who has got more stories right than the Beatles have had hits, uh, and that is a fact, um, which is verifiable uh, by any standards agency that you wish to check out. Today we'll bring you news uh, on Liverpool, a big, big exclusive on Liverpool, as well as uh, Manchester City, Manchester United, uh, Burnley FC as well will feature in this podcast. And uh, we will also be talking about Spurs and Arsenal and Chelsea. Duncan, the uh, big story for today's pod, um, unsurprisingly, something that we've spoken about in the past, is the future of Kylian Mbappe at Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, obviously, a club who have been in the headlines with regards to the fact that they have signed Leo Messi on a two-year contract, um, something that we did report first uh, on the podcast uh, with Graham Hunter. Messi aside, uh, we now look at the um, future of Mbappe, but also I think this is very, very interesting. The um, transfer structure and plans of Liverpool with regards to Mbappe. We know that they want to sign a point striker and uh, we've reported uh, before that Mbappe was someone who had a mutual interest in joining Liverpool as well as Liverpool obviously in him. Well, Liverpool's recruitment department are overseeing at this moment in time um, our understanding is that while they cannot necessarily afford under FSG's uh, management a transfer fee uh, in the region of what Chelsea have paid for Romelu Lukaku uh, which is around £98 million they certainly can afford a move for Mbappe with regards to a freedom of contract uh, next summer when he will be out of uh, his current deal with PSG. And of course, the wages will be very substantial. Uh, However, again, Mbappe himself is interested in making the move to Liverpool. It's uh, something which... um, Jurgen Klopp has a central role in with regards to Mbappe's uh, respect and admiration for the German coach. 
uh, something that as well, uh, as a single-minded and driven uh, young individual, he wants to develop his career rather than look at uh, simply the financial aspects of what his next club stroke deal will be. Obviously, we know that Real Madrid are interested in Mbappe as well. And of course, that will be an option for him. However, it is information reported to us that Liverpool are um, pursuing and indeed believe they have an opportunity in which they may well be able to uh, get Mbappe at least for two or three seasons if they uh, include a get-out clause on his contract, which, as we said, would be signed under freedom of movement. Uh, And so, therefore, Mbappe was uh, in charge of his own future with regards to uh, leaving uh, Liverpool at the point that he wants to do. Therefore, obviously, his career plan for himself is one that he is completely in charge of. Now, Duncan, you have information as well about the personal affiliation uh, of Mbappe. And, you know, we often um, smirk and sneer a little bit when players say that they always had affection for a particular club, etc., etc., when they were growing up. And that was, and it's a, quote, a dream come true (laughs) to play for this club. In Mbappe's case, we have a very um, genuine uh, personality who um, has not hidden his actual uh, affection for the Merseyside club in the past. And as you understand, um, has also uh, a, a willingness and um, an ambition to play under Jurgen Klopp and the way that he sets his team up and the way in which Liverpool play, which make Liverpool an attractive option for him, even even ahead of Real Madrid. Look, like any transfer, when you're talking about players of this dimension, it's a, it's a complicated situation. I think it's about a year ago now that we reported on the podcast that Kylian Mbappe was planning his exit from Paris Saint-Germain, um, had given them uh, guidance that he would like to leave this summer um, or in a year's time when his contract concluded and basically gave them the option, if you want to make some money from a transfer deal, you will need to sell me this summer. Um, Otherwise, you'll lose me for nothing in a year's time. And PSG's response has been very clear cut. We don't let, we don't sell our best players. Kylian Mbappe stays. Um, You saw Nasser Al-Khalifi during Lionel Messi's announcement talking about there is no option for Mbappe anymore. We've provided the best team in world football, how can you make any other choice? Um, at the time we reported that, we said there were four clubs that Mbappe were interested in. Um, you're right to say he has an interest in playing in the Premier League at some point in his career. He also has a strong interest in playing in La Liga at some point in his career. The four clubs are Real Madrid, Barcelona, Manchester United and Liverpool. You're also right to say that Liverpool has a special interest to him. I'm told that he supported Liverpool when he was younger. He very much likes the way they play football. 
he likes Jurgen Klopp's management. So you have those those four elements. He has talked publicly about elements of this. Um, in January 2020, uh, he gave an interview to the BBC at the launch of his personal charity when he talked about Liverpool being amazing, being like a machine that uh, they've lost zero games. When you watch, you think everything's easy, but that's not easy. The guys are focused. They play games every three days and they win, they win, they win. It's a very good team with a very good manager. And those quotes have been repeated multiple times um, with this discussion of of Liverpool's interest. Um, You're also correct to mention the problem that Liverpool have to solve in that, And again, something we've talked about in the podcast for well over a year now, they have a a brilliant attacking force that has made them champions of Europe and champions of England who are all ageing simultaneously and are all on contracts that expire in 2023. So you have Mo Salah, Sadio Mane, Roberto Firmino, all 29 years of age, um, all of whom have been looking at moves elsewhere. We've seen Manny and Salah giving pretty pointed interviews to the Spanish press. Um, lots of talk that they might go there. Liverpool know they have to get at least one top striker in. Um, as you say, they have budget limitations. Um, they have to use their smarts in the transfer market to solve this matter. And there is an opportunity there in that they have one of the top strikers in the game um, vocally praising them, having a very specific interest in playing in the Premier League, having a specific interest in playing for Liverpool, who will be out of contract in a year's time, opportunity to sign without transfer fee. My understanding is they have been encouraged in in this um, and they, they have a sense that Mbappé may be thinking that if he wants to play in the Premier League and he wants to play in La Liga, the order to do it in is Premier League first, La Liga second. Therefore, um, explore that option and see if you can get a deal done. I think this has ramifications for for Liverpool's policy with its current squad. Uh, and we've seen new contracts being handed out to four of their, their major players in recent weeks, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Fabinho, Alisson, and, and interestingly, Virgil van Dijk, who today has been given a, a contract until 2025 at age 30, um, you know, less than a year after having his ACL ruptured by Jordan Pickford. I think it, all, it also has implications for Jurgen Klopp. You know, we've, we've said that one of the attractions to Mbappe of Liverpool is Jurgen Klopp. If that's the case, then um, from Liverpool's perspective, I think it becomes very important to keep Jurgen Klopp in place um, in order to have that card to play in this attempt to get Mbappe in as the as the new lead striker. And I think it's interesting when you have you look at what Jurgen Klopp has been saying in the past week about transfers and, and you know, there's a lot of discontent amongst Liverpool supporters that all they've done in the market is sign Ibrahima Kanati um, as a first starting player to, to strengthen their defence, the, where they've lost Gini Wijnaldum, who was fundamental to Klopp's plan and, and played time after time, even when they knew uh, he'd agreed deals with other clubs to go elsewhere. Klopp is talking about 
we don't need more players. It doesn't make sense to add more players uh, and, and dampening the expectation around uh, this summer's market. We've heard that before, Duncan, when after they won their first Premier League title in 20 years, Klopp said a similar thing. And then, of course, they lost the Premier League by some margin to Manchester City in terms of a, a defence of their title. And it seemed like Klopp was a forlorn and defeated individual with regards to um, the way in which the administrators at Liverpool had behaved um, because he'd said the same things then. Do you think that he's on board with this because he knows that Mbappe is their primary target and is gettable and therefore he's willing to sacrifice a big spend or even just a medium spend in this market on the basis that they're effectively saving their their money for killing Mbappe. I mean, that would be the obvious interpretation of, of what he's saying. And while Klopp has pressured the club to spend, um, he has to be realistic about the, the resources available to the club. And, and it is, you know, I think for any manager, it is, it's quite a, quite a pool and quite a proposal that um, that you could be central to bringing the best young forward in world football to the club to start a new generation at, at Liverpool and go for the Premier League title again and go for the, the Champions League again. There is, of course, another dimension in this and that is Real Madrid. Um, and uh, Real Madrid are, I can tell you, confident that Mbappe's preference is to move to them and to move to them whenever he can get out of Paris Saint-Germain. So, but he, did t- he turned them down already though, Duncan. Yes. He has turned them down once before. And not many players turned down Madrid. In fact, if you remember, when uh, Florentino Perez called Neymar and his father um, before he moved to Barcelona, and Neymar said, uh, and his dad said, no, he needs one more year in Brazil before he moves to Europe and Perez's reply was you don't turn down Real Madrid you get one chance he did say that but then he tried to sign Neymar again on several occasions further further down the line and you're right um, well well, we praise Florentino for you know for the fact that he's pragmatic (laughs) you're right that uh, Mbappe had the opportunity to go to Real Madrid when he left Monaco in fact he basically had agreed terms. Him and his, his father had agreed terms with Real Madrid. They uh, they felt they had the commitment from the player that he would come there and then he stepped away from the deal because he did not think it was the right time in his career to move there given what was happening with Cristiano Ronaldo, given the expectation would be around him. He felt it was easier to stay within the French League, um, to move to Paris, his home city. And and have a, a lower level of expectation and a, and a steadier development path in his career, which which tells you that he is strategic in his decision-making and is something I think Liverpool will factor in getting involved in this pursuit, is that they're dealing with a player who has chosen the less glamorous route once in his career. Um, there's an indication that Money is not the priority. And to be fair, that is what I'm hearing from people close to Killian when it comes to um, his next move. 
uh, and and the reason why uh, Madrid are high in his considerations and why he's ready to move Paris Saint-Germain. It's not, you know, repeatedly told, this is not a financial decision. It's about being in the right place for his career to win titles, to be recognised and, and to establish himself as the, as the top player in the world. So there is a strategic thought there. But you've given us the, the picture from Liverpool and why they're getting involved in this. Give us the picture from Madrid is they are convinced that Kylian Mbappe will come to them. They still think there's a chance they can get him this summer. They think that's less likely because of uh, Lionel Messi. And um, obviously this offers Mbappe the opportunity to have a year playing with Messi and and leave under freedom of contract. Um, so uh, more control in his, his destination and less uh, complications with handling the exit from Paris Saint-Germain. Um, but they think... And remember, this is Florentino Perez's absolute priority to get Kylian Mbappe to build a new team around him. He's been working on this deal for a long time. They believe that when it comes to making that final choice, Mbappe will go through with a decision that's already been taken, which is to to join Real Madrid and they will get the player. Um, there have been questions about Erling Haaland. We talked in the last podcast about Haaland's um, choice not to go to Chelsea, um, that the uh, thinking there is that he moves to Madrid in a year's time. That's what Florentino Perez has also been setting up. The idea is to pair Mbappe and Haaland in a new Real Madrid team. Um, I've asked what Mbappe's thoughts are on that and I'm told that, that Mbappe is enthusiastic about the idea he'd like to... Um, to be in a team with Haaland uh, playing 4-4-2 formation. Um, Look, (laughs) I think that the basic conclusion from all of this is uh, Mbappe's worked himself into a position where he has the choice of top clubs in world football. Um, He's been very strategic about it. He he has a long-term career path. He's having discussions with those clubs. Uh, You talked... uh, several months ago I, I, there was a kind of interview process of of asking what his role would be in the team and and uh, the general direction of the squad what the plans were what the what the the club wanted to do um he is in the position of strength and he's worked himself into that position of strength and you have clubs like Real Madrid and Liverpool hoping that they can share in that position of strength by getting him into their squad when the time comes that he is finally able to exit PSG. It is interesting when um, the president decides what the formation is going to be uh, a year ahead of time with regards to changing it to four four two. I must um, ask Carlo Ancelotti what he thinks about that next time I speak to him. Um, <laughs> I know what his feelings are with regards to Florentino choosing his team. Uh, Not that it would be the first time uh, or the last that he has done that. Duncan, as we know, uh, Romelu Lukaku has signed for Chelsea for a club record fee of just under £100 million, uh, which means, of course, there needs to be uh, space, if you like, 
in terms of the team, never mind the squad. And Tammy Abraham, who we have mentioned on the podcast with regards to interest from Arsenal, Spurs and Roma, uh, is absolutely on the market and is being marketed uh, as well in terms of uh, raising money um, to help fund the Lukaku transfer, but also um, replacements, uh, one replacement in particular in central defence elsewhere. Now, um, Arsenal are a club who've been mentioned um, a lot with regards to uh, signing Abraham. We reported that Spurs had an interest as well, clearly with the hurricane situation. They are in need of a replacement for Kane and Abraham physically and style of play certainly uh, would fit that particular um, part of the way the Spurs perform. But people have been talking a lot about Roma and Jose Mourinho, but your information, Duncan, is that perhaps Roma is not as much of a stuck-on bet as some people think in terms of them having made an offer that's been accepted or indeed even that Abraham has agreed to. Yeah, he is the the preferred choice um, to come in at at centre forward. It's a very important position for Jose Mourinho. Um, They have been trying to persuade the player to come. As you say, Chelsea do want to sell and they want to raise cash for him. Um, it's one of those typical situations that the, the manager doesn't have faith in him. They have that 150 million euro replacement. Um, there's not much space for him in the squad. He's out of contract in 2023. So if they're going to sell, sell now to maximize the cash they get for the player. Um, Mourinho has been trying to persuade Abraham to come. Roma have been trying to persuade Abraham to come. Um, but despite those direct conversations, which we reported on the last podcast, Abraham has yet to commit to Roma. Um, Roma are waiting for a commitment that that's his preferred option to go to before they make um, a formal offer of salary to the player. Um, the the salary should be in the region of €4 million Euros net. And obviously Roma can take advantage of Italian tax laws for foreign players um, to get to those figures. The deal with Chelsea, again, has not been agreed, the specifics of it, but there's an expectation that it will be done if Abraham can get on board with moving to Roma. And it will be in the shape of a loan with an obligatory option to buy in a year's time and a buyback clause in Chelsea's favour um, should Abraham's career develop in the way Roma expect it to develop. Um, difficulty is in persuading a young English player to move overseas. It's, again, not an uncommon problem. Um, and, I, and I think a particular difficulty here is that Abraham is presented with the opportunity to go to Arsenal. So he can stay in London, he can stay in English football, doesn't have to learn a new language, doesn't have to switch home and um, become a central part of the Arsenal team. We know Arteta is unhappy with his forwards. Um, we've seen Pierre-America Aubameyang dropped last season from, from the Arsenal lineup. Very expensive um, in terms of salary. Uh, difficult to move out. 
as is Alexander Lacazette, who are Arsenal are actively trying to move out. Um, I think you have information that he's not been training particularly well, Ian. Uh, information I have is that Lacazette's reluctant to move this summer and uh, keen to wait until he's a free agent in a year's time to uh, decide where he wants to go. Uh, it's been mentioned that he would be an alternative to Roma should they not secure Abraham. Again, the guidance I have here is that Roma don't want to sign Lacazette, so that's uh, not a, a good solution to this conundrum. Um, their second choice, I'm told, is Zenit St. Petersburg striker Sardur Azmoun. Um so it's it's a it's a situation where the player is is badly wanted in Italy, uh, and it's in his control to decide whether he's prepared to move there and and take the opportunity to play in a different league and play with a a coach with a huge number of of trophies behind him, or whether he tries to push to go to another English club. Um, Arsenal, I think a factor here is that he's a homegrown player. Um, you've seen Mikel Arteta talking about the transfer market, uh, actually specifically saying, I think everything is related to who we bring in, who is out, our capacity to hold foreign players in the squad. And we've already seen Arsenal push the boat out in terms of transfer fee um, and a, a range of increasing offers, which we, we detailed um, on this podcast for Ben White. And I think you get one of the reasons why Ben White was so important to him that they they made him the second most expensive central defender in English football history, um, English central defender, that is, um, because he is homegrown, because he's young, because he can be a central part of the squad for a number of years. And Abraham fits a similar profile. Well, the information I have, Duncan, from people who have known Abraham since he was a much younger player uh, at Chelsea uh, when he was in the academy and then, of course, when he went out on successful loan deals as well, is that he is very much a homeboy in terms of uh, would prefer to stay in England and in English football, that um, his preference would certainly be to um, be a Premier League player rather than move to Serie A or elsewhere. And that's one of the reasons why this particular transaction is taking more time. He has had the conversation, the difficult conversation, with uh, Big Tom Tuchel, which, in which he was told that he was not required um, at Stamford Bridge. And obviously, the uh, amount of money that the club has invested in re-signing uh, Romelu Lukaku has confirmed what Tuchel has told Abraham. Abraham, of course, was uh, someone who flourished under Frank Lampard uh, when uh, Lampard was manager, but has since fallen away despite um, being top goal scorer at the club. Uh, but someone who, who apparently is not rated in terms of fulfilling the potential he has. Uh, I'm also told by people uh, at the club that uh, there are certain aspects of his personality and his attitude to training that aren't um, necessarily great. And that's another reason why uh, the club will quite happily allow him to leave but also, there is the economic angle as well. Um, when you invest 
uh, obviously in players uh, of very high value, you need uh, to also um, lighten your squad and, of course, balance the books. Abraham is one of the saleable assets and uh, will certainly be dispensed with um, as long as Chelsea feel they're getting the valuation that they feel is fair for the player um, who, of course, is now a full England international as well. So, um, in that being the case, uh, Chelsea have one more priority uh, recruitment, and that would be a central defender. Uh, Antonio Rudiger is being aggressively marketed by a very high-profile agent, as is Abraham by the same agent, someone who um, has worked for many, many years in the Premier League and has good relationships with most clubs. And therefore, uh, Chelsea are hopeful that they can bring in uh, at least 60 to 70% of the outlay that they've made for Lukaku uh, in bringing and selling um, Rudiger and Abraham. But we'll also look to reinvest that money in a centre-back to partner um, and look to strengthen and augment uh, the defence for next season and therefore build upon their Champions League success. Roman Abramovich clearly has, made, has um, made it his priority to regain the Premier League title. Uh, as you said, Duncan, to me, uh, he is, he's interested again. <laughs> which makes a difference <laughs> if your owner's interested then you're probably thinking hmm, okay that's a good sign but so, the, uh, the football world has changed as as we've been talking about in this podcast for for months now um you have the super league you have the the the, the failure of the super league plan you have um uefa fundamental changes within it um as a result of the Super League being brought down by clubs such as Paris Saint-Germain and Man Manchester City um, getting on board with breaking that proposal. Um, and you have a scenario where uh, owners with substantial resources, Roman Abramovich being one of those the clubs of Qatar and Abu Dhabi, PSG and Manchester City with their substantial resources being allowed to spend again. And, and I don't think it's any coincidence that you have reports this week that UEFA are preparing to replace financial fair play with a system of, of salary caps, um, which would allow clubs to spend probably up to 70% of their income on uh on player salaries, um, with a luxury tax being levied on clubs who overspend salary limit. Now, unless there is a hard cap on salary, unless they say no club can go beyond, for example, 500 million euros as, as their um, total salary bill, that is an open invitation to rich owners to um, generate extra revenue and or pay the salary tax, the luxury tax um, for overspending the the, uh, the revenue limits and building teams of the type that PSG, Manchester City and Chelsea have been doing this window. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why Roman Abramovich is interested again. I love the idea of it being hard cap when it should be a hard hat, surely. Um 
in these circumstances. <laughs> should, should, uh, it should be a hard hat for the rest of the clubs in football with <laughs> the, the very few exceptions. <laughs> indeed, indeed. So <laughs> once you go beyond the uh, limit, then someone comes around and hits you in the hard hat and says, <laughs> OK, you're not allowed to do that anymore. Um, speaking of such, uh, Duncan, Manchester City hurricane drags on, uh, which we expect to be concluded uh, potentially as soon as next week once the um, fixture between the two clubs on the first uh, weekend of the Premier League is over um, when City play at Tottenham on Sunday. And in doing so, uh, that will, of again, given the outlay on Jack Grealish and Kane, who we understand will cost around 145 million euros um, for the transfer fee alone, never mind the salary, um, could look at uh, a possible, not yet confirmed, but possible um, part swap deal with one of the players who, uh, Duncan, you have reported on numerous occasions wants to leave at the Etihad and that is Bernardo Silva now we know that his personal choice would but would potentially be to move abroad again but he wants out of Manchester and so London could be a destination and also Spurs it, with Nuno Espirito Santo obviously a Portuguese coach uh, as um being in charge could well be an attractive option if nothing else comes up and of course that would mean also that City wouldn't have to spend quite as much in terms of the cash portion of the deal to take Kane uh, to Manchester Um, do you think that that is something which is going to work I mean it does seem to me to be quite a sensible outcome if indeed Bernardo is willing to move to London rather than move to La Liga. Yeah, um, we told you at the start of the window that Bernardo Silva wanted to leave Manchester City this summer, that um, he wanted to leave the previous summer um, and hadn't been able to. A uh, uh, deal wasn't uh, eventually affected and therefore he'd basically been given a commitment by Guardiola to do one more season and he would be allowed to go this summer. We've subsequently, I think in the last week, seen... Um, Pep Guardiola confirmed that that Bernardo Silva wants to leave and um, yeah it's a very obvious player to offer to Tottenham as part of the, the Harry Kane transaction because there is that commitment there that they can that the player can go if he comes up with a proposal that is acceptable to Manchester City and acceptable to him and yes my understanding is that um, where the clubs to agree to include that in the Kane deal, then Bernardo Silva would look at it as a possible move for him. Um, And obviously clubs like Barcelona, um, Atletico Madrid, who tried to sort out an exchange deal um, with Saul Neguez going to to Manchester City and Bernardo Silva going the other way. Um, It's not so easy to get to Barcelona at the moment for reasons that uh, everyone knows about. Um, separate to that, uh, I can tell you that um, 
Adama Traore is being considered by Tottenham um, as an option to to strengthen the right wing. Um, We talked earlier about their interest in Jesus Corona, um, who is presently um, looking more likely to go to Sevilla, who, who have been working on a deal to take him from FC Porto. Adama obviously has worked with Nuno before um, and uh, Wolves have placed him on the market this summer. One of the players they're trying to to raise cash from, a player who is looking for improved personal terms. Uh, We reported that they'd had an offer from Leeds United for Adama that Adama had knocked back. Um, And that's... Look, if this Kane deal goes through as you expect it to do, this then we're going to see this, uh, I think, rush of deals from Tottenham with Fabio Paratici using his, his global contacts to to radically restructure the squad um, in a way that the two previous managers, um, Maurizio Pochettino and Jose Mourinho, had been asking for. They were saying that the squad needed a big overhaul. Um, Daniel Levy's in chosen to put that in the hands of Fabio Paratici and, and I think it will be the test of um, of Paratici's mettle um, if Levy agrees to sell Kane uh, and break the transfer record again and uh, have us all uh, looking back at those words from Pep Guardiola about how it was impossible for City to spend a hundred million um, or more on on a on a transfer fee uh, see them doing it twice in the one summer um and uh, and seeing where both clubs end up off the back of it it's it's late in the window to do such a radical restructure it's um it's putting a lot of expectation on Nuno's uh, management and coaching abilities to to turn it immediately or quickly into a competitive team one team duncan as we approach the uh, start of the premier league campaign who are expected to do better and who certainly um, historically need to do better are Manchester United. £400 million is the um, estimated cost with regards to what Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has spent at Manchester United as head coach. Obviously, huge investment in Jadon Sancho uh, this particular summer. Uh, a lot expected of him, but Solskjaer himself does not seem particularly certain with regards to uh, what they might achieve um, if his latest comments are anything to go by. Yeah, we've seen Solskjaer uh, uh, giving some of his interviews ahead of this season where um, he's been given to extremely high profile um extremely accomplished players in the in the two priority positions he'd asked for reinforcements in Jaden Sancho and Rafael Varane um not wanting to commit to winning trophies i mean th- there's one line from from an interview he gave this week we know we're a good team but we know we have a little bit to go to be where we want to be and win trophies and then uh talking Again, about the season ahead, he says, I'm excited by the squad. I don't think anything is beyond these boys. 
It's just how we fare between now and the end of the season. How much sacrifice, how much discipline, how much team camaraderie, how much consistency, how much hard work, blood, sweat and tears, all these qualities and cliches. If you want to be the best, you have to live like the best and you have to work as the best and perform every three days. It's going to be tough, but it's possible, definitely. And I think the interesting thing there is he's placing it all on the players. There's no comment about if I perform better than I did last season, if I manage better, if I don't make selection mistakes, if I don't um, make errors and substitutions in games, uh, which cost us goals, refusing to take players off or taking players off at, at set pieces and, and conceding and missing out on chance to win the FA Cup because of that. None of that's mentioned. It's all on the players. And, you know, it's a it's a pattern with Solskjaer. It's, um, he was happy to talk about how second wasn't good enough for Manchester United. Being back in the Champions League wasn't good enough for Manchester United when he was at Molde and watching from afar. But once he gets into the club, he gets what he wants in the market. He has a massive squad. I think they have currently 27 full international players um, in their first team squad. And... Solskjaer saying that he wants to retain a big squad. Uh, it's very important to have depth throughout the season to have a chance to win trophies. Um, but yeah, he goes from saying second's not good enough to um, refusing to commit even to winning a trophy. And I, and I think with the resources he's got um, and the backing he's had, are you did. Manchester City have better resources, so you would expect them to be ahead of them in the in the Premier League at the end of the season. Although you you know you have those issues of can you repeat from being champions? It's something that's not very often done in the Premier League. But certainly, um, Solskjaer must have enough in terms of resources to win silverware this season. Um, but. We've, we've seen this pattern with him and, and the way he speaks. I mean, another thing he, he said in his interview, um, which I thought was quite telling, he said, I, I'm used to winning. When I was here as a player, we finished third once and was either first or second every other year. So um, only finished third once, according to Uli. He, he must have forgotten that he was at Manchester United from 1996 to 2007 and that Manchester United finished third in 2002, 2004, and 2005. Okay, one of those seasons Solskjaer was injured, but in the 2004-05 season, he played 13 league games and played in the FA Cup final. So even when he's talking about his own history, uh, there, there, there are words in there that just don't make a lot of sense. Um, and I think it's going to be fascinating to watch this season and, and, uh, and see how he responds if, if they go through a difficult period. It's also interesting that Manchester United, have, despite that investment in the squad, continue to work with a manager who's clearly not of the top standard. They've avoided the opportunity to replace him and put a better coach in charge and instead are doing things like bringing additional coaches in around them to help him. So they've taken Eric Ramsey from Chelsea as a set piece, an individual development coach, um, on the basis that their set piece defending was poor last season. So um, let's rather than invest in a, in a better manager, hire another coach to a very large cadre of coaches to try and solve a, a 
very specific and obvious problem they've had throughout Solskjaer's reign. Seems to remind me of um, the fact that they've had to invest in bringing in another centre half, Duncan, in order to make up for the mistakes <laughs> of the, the most expensive centre half they've ever had. Uh, so it seems it's to a be good a, rep- point. a repetitive it's a good point. It's a good point, Ian. We've most expensive centre back in the history of the game on huge wages. Um, let's go and buy uh, probably the best back, centre back in Spanish football to solve that problem. Well, at least they are now buying quality we've got to give them that Varane certainly um, is an upgrade on what they have that's for sure Um, now we do uh, here at the Transfer Window podcast um, like uh, and indeed endeavour to bring you news uh, not just to the elite clubs um, in European football but also to some of those who are not so elite, and therefore it is our pleasure and Duncan's privilege, indeed, to bring you news from uh, Burnley FC uh, with regards to what they're doing in the transfer market. And, of course, they start their campaign against the Mighty Seagulls uh, tomorrow, uh, Saturday. Duncan, it's, it's an interesting one in terms of ownership in terms of Sean Dyche in terms of the playing roster as well in terms of you know where this all fits because you get the feeling that not everything is clicking yeah new ownership at Burnley um, American owners and uh, and that as always or almost always happen when new owners come in they want to change elements about the club and improve ways of doing things. And one thing that I'm told is important to them is they want to try and sign players from non-English market clubs, bring them into the Premier League, give them a platform, uh, see them perform for Burnley and uh, ideally make profits going forward. So at present, they're trying to bring a winger in. They feel there's a shortage of of um, of wingers in the Burnley squad. Um, they have been working to try and persuade Maxwell Cornet to leave Lyon um, for some time now. They've got competition there from Hertha Berlin. Uh, he is valued at Lyon by around 10 million euros, two years left of contract, so a period in which the player will be sold. Um, also, I'm told that they're now trying for Arnaud Danjuma um, of Bournemouth, who's Player of the Year at Bournemouth last season, 15 goals in 33 championship games. Um, Nigerian-born Netherlands international, who Scott Parker has said uh, may be sold if the right offer comes in. These Both of these players are, are very different types of players to the ones that Sean Dyche has built. Burnley's survival strategy around. He's concentrated predominantly on homegrown players, plays a very um, conservative percentage base type of football. Um, and I, I look, I think there's a, a, a potential clash here between what the owners want to do um, and what a manager who has had massive authority at the club um, has done in terms of a way of keeping Burnley in the division um, will be interesting to see how this progresses obviously they have Dwight McNeil there um, who Aston Villa looked 
at uh, bringing in as one of the replacements for um, Jack Grealish this summer. They want to bring another winger in um, with the idea that uh, in a year's time, should McNeil's status in the game further increase, um, they will already have a, a ready-made performing replacement uh, signed and, and in the team. I think there's an interesting um, way ahead for the ginger pep um, and Sh- uh, Sean Dyche. It'll be uh, certainly one which we will be following. Um, he has had options to move elsewhere in the last year, 18 months. And uh, I think Duncan, he may well have an option in the next year or so as well, uh, given his uh, repetitive and indeed consistent performance of keeping Burnley in the Premier League, which of course begins this weekend. And we wish you all who are going to be involved and watch your club, or indeed just watch as interested spectators, uh, to do so with enjoyment. Uh, Until uh, next week, this is the Transformer Podcast. Please uh, join us and engage on our social media channels at Transfer Podcast, on Instagram, Facebook, and of course on Twitter. Duncan's at Duncan Castles. I'm at Garbo SJ. And until uh, next week, when we of course will bring you the transfer news before it becomes news, and beware cheap imitations. Be safe, stay well, and thanks for listening.